The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, at the 2018 Established Summer Training Project. More information about Campus Outreach Minneapolis can be found at cominneapolis.org. Um, this summer, but today um, we want to focus on memorization. So here's where we're going. Um, these uh, these two verses are where we're gonna uh, are, are where we're gonna camp out. Um, so if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Colossians three. Verse 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And then a little later on in the passage, he gives them a lot of imperatives and then says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. We talked about that a little bit the first week. I said, I would define the word of Christ dwelling in you richly in a I'm staking my life on this book sort of way. That's how it would dwell in me richly. We're going to unpack that a little bit more today. So here's my outline. Uh, first is, why should we set our minds on things that are above? Second, we're going to talk about how can the Word of Christ dwell in us? How can we set our minds on things that are above? And then, how can the Word of Christ dwell in us richly? There's a difference there. So, first, let's talk about why should we set our minds on things that are above? So, when I was in eighth grade, I remember going to camp. How many of you guys went to a Christian summer camp growing up. Okay, so I think a lot of you guys are going to know, are going to be able to resonate with this experience. But we had a talk. It was closer to the end of the week. And then we had worship after the talk. And the, there was a song when I was a kid called Let It Rain. Has anybody heard that song, Let It Rain? Let it rain, let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven. It's like, that's the only line, isn't that? There's like nothing else in the song. At least that's all we sing. It was just let it rain, let it rain, open the floodgates of heaven. So the band sang that song like 10 times in a row. And then they let it a cappella like five times in a row. And then they stopped singing, but all of the students, we were, we were into it. So we, we just kept singing, you know. And then they just got off the stage and we just, we just kept singing. And at first I was, as a kid, thinking this is so cool. Like all of us are banding together. We all, you know want the presence of God and but then about 30 minutes in I was like my hands are getting tired I've been standing like this for 30 minutes and this is exhausting but I was like am I less holy if I put my hands down like I just I got to hold them up I'm just holding them there and then thankfully mercifully the camp director came up I think it was like after an hour though and he he dismissed all of us that is not an uncommon experience when you go to camps or you go into a worship service. And I think what we want to happen in those experiences is a real intimate experience with God. A feeling where it's almost like he's striking you with a lightning bolt and you feel his presence, right? Like that's, that's what we're wanting to experience in moments like that. And that is sexy Christianity. When we think about, I want to experience the presence of God, when we get into worship, we, we think that's, that's where I want to go. What I want to argue is that, I don't think that's necessarily biblical, I'm not going to talk about that, but I think um, memorization can get you there. And the reason I bring up that whole thing is because when you think about memorizing scripture, it sounds boring, right? It sounds rote, as if it's something that you're mindlessly doing, which it could be. 
But I want to argue that memorization is going to give you those types of experiences more than you coming into a worship service, singing a song and saying, can I, can I draw out this emotion within me? The Word of God is going to be able to get you there far more than any song that you ever hear. And songs can help. I, I love music, obviously. Songs can help, but the Word of God is what's going to get you there. So, um, <clears throat> all right, so. Here's why we should set our minds on things that are above. Because what we set our minds on affect our being and our doing. So, let's look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. I think this is a really good um, passage. Does someone want to read that? Right, so let's look at the first half of this verse. So um, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So what this is saying is if we renew our minds, we will be transformed. But if we don't renew our minds, oh, uh-oh, why is it? Oh, I'm going backwards, all right. All right, um, my bad. User error. All right, so um, if we do not renew our minds, we will conform. Notice there's two different words that are used there, transform and conform. In the Greek, the word for transform is metamorpho, which is the same, it's the word we get metamorphosis from. So think of a caterpillar being transformed into a butterfly. It's changing who you are. So if you renew your minds with the Bible, you can be transformed. And if you don't, then you're going to conform. So it's not changing who you are. It's just changing your allegiance to one thing or the next. And you guys feel this. You, when you go on Kixiv on your phone, whether you know, it's some Instagram account you really, really like or um, some sports team that you follow, you, you can easily go from thing to thing to thing, um, and that can dominate your thought life. So uh, the third thing that we learn is that knowing the will of God leads to living for God. We see this in Colossians 2. But let me, let me get this really clear for you. So, um, what we think, what we set our minds on, affects who we are, we're transformed, and what we do. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God. So by testing I can discern it, and then I can, I can then live that out. So, I made this... I'm really hoping this works. It didn't earlier. Um, okay, so here's what I, our culture would say. Our culture would say you feel things in your heart, and because you feel things in your heart, that should then affect what you set your mind on and the things that you do. Our culture is saying that your heart is the center of truth. So whatever you feel is best, that's what you should be living out of. The Bible wouldn't spin it that way. The Bible would say that what we set our minds on is going to affect our heart. And the Bible's saying there's external realities outside of you that are affecting you. Namely, God wrote a book. We read a book. These external realities affect us, and then from there, that is going to translate into what we do. I'm not making the argument that what we do doesn't influence the heart. It totally does. And the heart can influence, as a Christian, positively what we do and what we think. 
But the Bible has a lot to say about us setting our minds on truth and how that's going to translate into our heart and into what we do. So, um, you can see in the book of the Colossians. So he says, uh, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Why? So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. You understand God's will, you will begin to live it out as a Christian. That's, that's what he's saying. And with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, it's not that you just know God's will. There has to be a spiritual component where you truly are a Christian. As you understand it, you, you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So um, that's the first point. Second, how can the word of Christ dwell in us? First, practically, things that you can do with your hands, what we do, is you can memorize it. So in the Bible, there's no explicit command that says, memorize me, <laughs> memorize the Bible. It doesn't, it doesn't say that. But there's really, really good reasons to do it. The first is, it's a logical conclusion from Colossians 3.2. If we set our minds on things that are above, how are we to do that? So think about this. If you were to um, dwell on Scripture, if you were to set your mind on it, how could you set your mind on it if you didn't remember it? How could you remember it if you didn't know it? How could you know it if you hadn't looked at it? it if I looked at Colossians this morning, during my time, and then I walked away and didn't remember it, I can't, I can't dwell on it. It's not dwelling in me richly, right? So it has to be remembered inside of me. So memorization is just a natural implication of the text of Colossians 3.2, setting your minds on things that are above. Um, secondly, people in the Bible did it, namely Jesus. He used scripture all the time. When he was in the desert with Satan, Satan used scripture and told Jesus why it was okay for Jesus to do certain things. And Jesus quoted scripture back at Satan and said, no, 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 you don't understand it. This is what it's actually saying. So Jesus did it. He understands it. Uh, Peter, when he was giving his sermon on the day of Pentecost, quoted Psalm 16. Peter was an uneducated man. He was a fisherman. And he memorized scripture. Further back, King David did it. You see in Psalm 119, it says, I meditate on your word day and night. It, it's been throughout the course of history, those who love God memorize his word. It's just a fact. Um, and third, the early church did it. So, I don't know if you guys realize this, but the Bibles that we have today, we didn't actually have until the printing press in the 1450s. Before that, everybody trusted what the priests were saying about the Bible. So if you really wanted to know the Bible, then you memorized it. The early church, that's what they did. They would get a letter, and um, they would write it down, and then they would memorize it. And you would pass it on orally. So we've always done this. Memorization is a common thing in Christian history. Um, so you should memorize it. In order to memorize it, though, you have to prioritize it. So, Matthew 6.21 says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Time is a valuable resource. How you are spending your time, that treasure, shows a lot about what's going on in your heart. So if you spend a lot of your time filling it up with distractions on your phone or otherwise, what you're saying is that's where your treasure is. 
So you have to prioritize in your heart and say, this is something that I really want to do because I think this is beneficial. All right, so third, how can the word of Christ dwell in us richly? Uh, it is really possible that uh, you could memorize scripture and for it not to be dwelling in you richly. If you look back at Colossians, if you guys have your Bibles, go to Colossians 1.9. I don't think I have this. Go to Colossians 1.9. So Colossians 1.9, he says, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's what he's... That, that's what has to happen in order for it to dwell in you richly. The Spirit has to, has to be infused with the Spirit for it to really impact your heart. And we know from the Bible that this is true when you look at the Pharisees. The Pharisees knew the Bible really well. They knew it better than anybody. And in fact, Jesus never had a problem with the Pharisees when it came to their theology. He never argued with them about whether they were right or not. He argued with the Sadducees and other people, but the Pharisees, that was never the problem. They knew the Bible, and they knew it well, and they knew what it said. The problem with the Pharisees was that their heart was far from him. They honored him with their lips, but their heart was far from him. And that takes the Spirit to change you inside. And so here's, here's one uh, question for you. Um, uh, uh, do you submit to the Bible? So... Uh, 3.16, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What is he saying it looks like to dwell in you richly? He's saying teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So you have to be able to say, if the word of Christ is dwelling in me richly, then I'm using it as my life source. I'm using it as the way to make all decisions in my life. And I think it's so valuable that I want to share it with other people, other Christians that I know. And I want to help them process their, their life using the Bible. Not my own wisdom, but the Bible. That's what, that's what I want to use. Um, so do you submit to it? You can see in the uh, Psalm 19, look at all the words, the ways that David talks about the Bible. So, the law of the Lord, yeah, you can't see that, sorry. The law of the Lord is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure. The precepts of the Lord are right. The commandment of the Lord is pure. The fear of the Lord is clean. The rules of the Lord are true. More to be desired are they than gold. Sweeter also than honey. So think about the things you enjoy most in life. Things that just naturally bring you a lot of joy. Do you crave it more than that? Do you crave the Bible more than food? That's what I think the Bible is calling you to. When you wake up in the morning, do you think your greatest need is a bowl of cereal? Or do you think your greatest need is the Bible? So, we have to submit to it. And I think that a good indicator of whether or not you're submitting to it is this right here. So he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. So, are you guys thankful? When you look at the Bible, you read it, does it produce thankfulness in you? And if it doesn't, I think it's a good indicator that you're not really submitting to it. It's not something you're really staking your life on. You don't really enjoy it. God wrote a book, and it's a wonderful book. It's not a threatening book for you. It's life-giving. It's sweeter than honey. 
and it should produce thankfulness for you guys. So um, you should submit to it. That's on a heart level. Now, practically, you should recall it. So I'm just going to end this with a, uh, with a couple of um, personal examples from my own life. So when I was in college, or not college, when I was in high school, I think I was in 10th grade, I went on a missions trip to Canada. We went to Vancouver, and then we went across to Victoria Island and went to a Native American tribe over there. But we spent about a week in Vancouver doing training and whatnot, and they had a lot of worship sessions with, with songs. So I remember sitting in one of the worship sessions and thinking, I'm just not feeling this. Like, there's nothing that I can do. Have you guys ever felt that? You're just in a worship. And it's just like, I, I just don't feel like being here. <laughs> I'd rather sit down. Everyone's standing up. You know, it's like I just didn't. So what I did was I just sat down and started reading my Bible. And in my plan of reading, I had been reading in the Psalms. So just so happened, the next Psalm was Psalm 42. And what I read in Psalm 42 was, Why are you cast down on my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, my salvation in my God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation in my God. So I read that and it just struck me. It doesn't matter how I feel. God is the same God he was yesterday. He's the same God he is today. And he's the same God he'll always be. And he's always worthy of worship. So therefore, if I'm not feeling it, maybe my emotions um, shouldn't be the primary way I'm trying to connect with God. Maybe my emotions should be coming along after. And so that, that really impacted me. So I learned two things there. One is um, I learned that God is worth being glorified regardless of my circumstance. The second thing is the Bible was the thing that moved my spirit to worship in that moment. I realized that God is worthy of my worship regardless of, of how I feel. And I began thinking on God. In fact, I think I, think I started thinking about Isaiah 6 and thinking when, when Isaiah walked into the temple of the Lord, and he said, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. I remember that. That The Bible, looking at the Bible was the thing that, that moved my spirit into worship. So, um, fast forward. Because of that experience, I really began devoting myself to memorizing scripture. So, really fast forward. About four years ago, Justine and I were married, and uh, we were pregnant. Um, and we went in for a... 20-week ultrasound. It was like 22 weeks. 22 weeks, you go in and they tell you whether or not you're going to have a boy or a girl. It's a really, really exciting thing. And we went in um, and they said, you have twins. We had no idea. We had twins. But neither has heartbeat. And um, that was the hardest thing I've ever experienced in my life. And we were, I remember we were standing in the ultrasound looking at the screen with our daughters. And the first thing that came to my mind was Psalm 16, because I'd memorized it in college. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Psalm 16 ends with, you make known to me the path of life. 
In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Regardless of my circumstance, the Lord is worthy of worship. And what I experienced in that moment was that he was with me through it all. And the way in which he loved me was through his Bible. I was comforted because of Psalm 16. So the next day, Justine and I were laying in bed together, weeping. And up to that point, I had wept, but there was, a, there was more of a, a breaking point. And it came to mind again, preserve me, O oh God, for in you I take refuge. And I think I, I thought in my mind, preserve me, like don't let me lose it, you know. But then all of a sudden it was like, no, I can lose it. I can really weep. I can really let go because he will preserve me. That's the kind of God we have. We can feel real things in real moments because he will continue to preserve us in those moments. And he did. I can, with reckless abandonment, feel what's appropriate in a situation because I know God is going to take care of me. And the way in which he did was through his word. That's what he did. Um, That is why I, I have a personal desire a deep personal conviction on memorizing scripture and I want every single one of you guys to prioritize it in your life because I think that the truth of who God is will be the most comforting thing to you in the hardest moments in your life and in every moment it's not just that when I was in college I really began wrestling with my arrogance what I want you guys to do right now is to tell me I did a good job in this talk sinfully that's that's what I want and so what I memorize, I memorize Psalm 36, and that's really, really helped me. Psalm 36 says, Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There's no fear of God before his eyes, for he flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity can't be found out and hated. You hear that? He's wicked because he's flattering himself. And because he's flattering himself, he's not being honest about who he is. So I didn't want to confess my sin to people because then my image would be torn down. And that's what I really want. I want my image to be projected in a good way. So I memorized Psalm 36, and that's really helped me in moments when I didn't want to confess to people. It's really helped me to be honest with people. Um, just one more. I, uh, I, I remember, um, well, actually, you know what? I've, I've got a list. I'll, I'll just read through this list, and that's, that's how we'll close. So um, I have a list of how many? Nine things, nine personal benefits I've experienced from memorizing scripture, and I, I want this for you. So here's, here's my list. One is... Memorizing scripture has given me the ability to meditate and chew on scripture when there's no Bible present. So when I'm at Walmart or when I'm wherever I am, it's given me the ability to do that. Um, Isaiah says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. His mind is stayed on you and you give him peace because of that. Secondly, um, these are these are long, so if you don't write them down, that, that's fine. I can give them to you later. Memorizing scripture has consistently increased my faith in the gospel because faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. That's Romans ten seventeen. When I hear scripture in my mind, my heart believes the gospel more clearly. Uh, memorizing Number three, memor, memorizing scripture awakens to me the reality of God's existence and presence and helps me face the day for what it is rather than what it, um, I want it to be. Because my access to it is instantaneous, just as instantaneous as on my phone. So whatever happens in my day, I've got scripture tucked away that I can remember. Four, memorized scripture helps me deal with negative emotions rightly. 
So none of us like to feel bad things. And we've talked about this before. We want to distract. We don't want to feel bad things, and so we tend to go to our phones or whatever it is for you, a relationship that you have, thinking about people liking you, whatever it is. We like to go to those things. For me, I feel shame a lot of times. Um, And knowing Scripture, knowing Romans 8, knowing Psalm 36, has led me to confessing sin that I didn't want to share. I feel pride at points, and it's made me a forgiving person to others when I feel like I've been wronged. I see the ways in which the Lord has loved me, and it moves me to want to love other people. Um, I feel anxiety about a lot of things in life. The weightlessness factor that Nirmal was talking about, I feel that a lot, especially with practical things. Getting practical things done produces a lot of anxiety in me, and it's decreased my level of anxiety um, because of a scripture that I know. Um, Number five, reciting scripture I've memorized almost always turns from recitation into prayer. When you recite scripture that you know and you know well, you can't help but be evoked and you want to pray. It, it just, that just happens. And conversely, some of my sweetest times in prayer have been when I am reciting scripture to the Lord. Seven, um, songs become sweeter to me when I know how the words line up with the Bible. Because the Bible's truth, and when I see... Oh, that line comes from there in the Bible. This line comes from here. That helps me so much when I'm worshiping. Eight. Memorizing scripture I've memorized has led me to understand the passages better. So, for example, I memorized Psalm 23. And um, just this last year, this was uh, something that was really important to me. So, um, what he says in Psalm 23 is, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my, my soul. And then it says, he leads me in paths, in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then the next verse says, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. What I realized was the path of righteousness and the valley of the shadow of evil is the same thing. So the hard things that I'm experiencing in my life, God put me there for his name's sake. That's what he did. And at the end of the song, or at the end of the psalm, he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So God's saying, when you're in the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not far from you because mercy and goodness are going to follow you all the days of your life. And I didn't realize that. I, I had it memorized, and as I was thinking on it, as I was meditating on it, those connections were made. So as you memorize scripture, you will understand the passage better just because you know it. Um, number nine, that's the last one. Scripture that I've memorized has been the anchor in my soul in the hardest most tragic moments in my life. So, final thought. Why don't you guys just write this down. To be established in Christ, how important is it for you to memorize the Bible? You don't have to answer that now. But just think on that. What would it take for you personally? What does memorization mean? How important is it that you yourself memorize scripture? We like to use our phones and other distractions to numb us from the reality of life. But to be established and experience life to the fullest, you must be present to the real world. And in order to be present, We must connect with God in the ways that he wants us to. I'll pray.
Father, again, I pray that people would prioritize memorization. I pray that this would set a new trajectory for some people who've never memorized scripture before, who may feel that it's daunting, feels like it's, that they wouldn't be able to do it. I pray that you would give them confidence as they memorize scripture after scripture. Um, and a, in a year from now, Lord, I pray that this room would know a lot more scripture than they do right now. They'd have it memorized. So I pray that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach Minneapolis. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at clminneapolis.org.